Welcome to Sacrifice to Success Podcast. My name is David Weaver, and I am the owner of The Forgotten Heart Project. My mission is to help others create freedom in every aspect of their life. In this season of the podcast, we are talking life, business, and what makes you feel alive. We are speaking with business owners and entrepreneurs from all over, hearing about the sacrifices, the learnings, the twists, the turns, the ups and downs, and the successes that they have had in life and business. These are their stories. All right. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode. I am excited to have an awesome conversation. We've been chatting a little bit beforehand. I love the energy she's already got. This is going to be a super valuable podcast today. So welcome, Lorianne Duguay. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. So just start by like, give us that journey that you just kind of shared with me of like how you got from like, you know, out of school to to now entrepreneur. Uh, What was that trajectory for you? Okay, out of school to now. That's like a really long time. Yeah, uh, not to in date a condensed myself. version. Yeah, no, very <laughs> condensed for sure. So initially, uh, while I was actually still in university, I decided to start my own uh, dispute resolution practitioner firm. So mediation, negotiation, conflict analysis at the ripe age of 19. Uh, so uh, I, I spent the year trying to kind of make that business work, but unfortunately, you know, it was to no avail. Uh, and in the interim, I was offered a position with the government negotiating for government. And of course I took it being, you know, 19 and looking for some level of security as I continued my studies. So I was able to get in with government and ended up sticking around there for 21 years in a variety of roles, uh, mainly in consulting, uh, negotiating, consulting, uh, as well as some HR strategy type roles. Um, And then I guess it would be about 17 years into the career, decided to go back to school, complete my post-grad in HR management, labor relations, uh, and then decided to just start doing consulting on the side because I was at the point where I was kind of, my brain had gotten bored uh, with the day-to-day. I like, I really knew my jobs inside out and I really couldn't see how I could progress uh, through the ranks uh, being where I lived because at the time virtual work was not even a thing. If you didn't physically live in a location, then it was not an option. So I was trying to find kind of alternatives. So decided to um, start, you know, finish my my postgrad. And once I finished that, I started doing consulting on the side. Then I would just take my time off to do consulting. And then I would end up having to use all my time off for projects and then realize that, okay, wait a minute, maybe I'm onto something here. Maybe there's, I can actually do this gig full time. And I was allowed to take a year leave uh, with job security. So decided to take that leap. Actually, I was going to take that leap and then the pandemic hit. Mm. (laughs) Uh, And then I was like, maybe I'm going to just ride this pandemic wave and figure out, you know, before I jump into and leap into uh, this insecure world of entrepreneurship. Um, and so I waited a bit and I actually did it in 2021. I took my, well, in 2020, took my year leave from December to December, 2021. And in that year, business exploded. It was just crazy and so crazy busy that I realized I can actually just do this full time. So ended up exiting government, uh, on a permanent basis and have been just scaling the business up ever since. Awesome. I love it. That's so cool. So so what is it exactly that you do now? Okay. So I, I'm an HR strategist, uh, but I work primarily in three main kind of buckets, if you will. 
Okay. First bucket, one that I'm extremely passionate about, uh, is in the um, you know employee engagement and talent development sphere. So really, uh, helping organizations rework their end-to-end employee experience uh, in order to make sure that they're actually creating the work environment that people you know not only want to show up and occupy space or be a tenant of that that kind of workplace, but they want to you know thrive within that that workplace and as a means of increasing the retention and really enabling them to attract the talent they need to thrive as an organization as well. So really, I'm, I'm super passionate about that. And I love to really kind of help businesses reorganize the way that they manage their people um, and, and and really thrive. So that's one of the buckets I, I, I deal in. The second one is leadership development, because, you know, these kind of, of culture changes start top down, right? So essentially, it's about working with uh, the different the, the different organizations to help develop their leadership to be able to, uh, you know, support that kind of a culture, but also to be able to move away from this command and control and step into the the more, you know, leader as coach, coach and empower role uh, so that they can continue to um, build that culture and support it on a longer term. And then the last bucket is, of course, as I alluded to, conflict resolution. So doing some conflict uh, management, conflict analysis. Cool. Awesome. So have you noticed uh, across the board, do you feel like it's also it's almost becoming a requirement for companies to start moving in this direction because people are just not okay with this like top down like managerial traditional way that we've been doing things for so long. Uh, it's a hundred percent. They're they're starting to realize that you know uh, our, our current landscape of workers that's the command and control style just doesn't resonate with them, and they really need to start to see the value of not only you know it's it's the difference between telling your child where their jacket is every time versus actually, you know, helping them kind of backtrack and figure out, okay, where did I leave it last? When do I remember last having it? And kind of walking them through that, right? It's it's really the difference between telling your employee every time and providing the answer uh, as opposed to helping them kind of apply critical thinking to unearth the answer. And then the next time they're likely not going to have to come back to you. So really understanding the value of that coaching and see as a means of kind of building confidence in your worker and empowering them to really step into their full potential as opposed to you actually, you know, creating a dependency whereby every time they've got a bit of a pickle, they're coming to you, right? Mm-hmm. So definitely they're starting, I think they're starting to see the value, but there's still a lot of organizations that are unfortunately focused on the bottom line and see kind of these kinds of um, the, these kinds of programs or strategies as a nice to have. They don't really link it to the essential piece in terms of being able to attract the talent they need in our job seekers market, right? Mm-hmm. They, they haven't made that link yet, unfortunately. But I've seen a lot more organizations, you know, they're at that point where, you know what, just obviously what we're doing and what we've always been doing is no longer working. You tell us how to do it and we'll adapt, but help us kind of build the capacity from within to be able to implement whatever you're you're recommending. Cool. Yeah. And I imagine, well, maybe you could probably speak to this better than me, but I, I feel like what I'm seeing is the like workers, people who are working for these companies they're no longer accepting like that style anymore because they really want autonomy and to feel like their job is important and they're respected, but they can do it in the way that like 
they want to do it and not be like micromanaged. Them. Yes, yeah. absolutely. Absolutely. That is a hundred percent the case. They want that autonomy. There's some, and, and when you think about those kind of main engagement drivers, so what are the things that make people want to thrive and show up and go above and beyond autonomy is an empowerment is one of them, right? So they want to know that you trust them to do the work they, they were hired to do without checking yeah. it. But uh, there's kind of a bit of a nuance there that comes into play when it comes to different generations though. Yeah. Uh, you know, there's certain generations that that ongoing kind of, okay, I totally trust you to do what you're, what I, what I've hired you to do, but know that I'm here to support you in the event that, you know, you need to troubleshoot a bit or in the event that, or here are some kind of, here's some, some, I guess, boundaries to work within or a framework to work within, especially those first few times they're doing something and, and just as a means of really kind of then providing feedback so that they're able to feel supported as they're kind of carrying out their day to day. While yeah. there's other there's other generations, the more tenured or more seasoned generations that for them, that's considered micromanagement. It's just, you know what, just trust me to do what I was supposed to do. And when I'm not performing, then we'll have a talk, right? So it's really <laughs> nice. to strike that balance and to understand that balance between the two, the, the different generations is, is actually, it, it takes a bit of tact, but also a bit of training. And that's that's the piece that's often missing as well, right? They they assume that whatever leadership training they've been adhering to and administering for the past 30 years or 20 years even is still going to work, but it's not providing them with the, it, we've really moved towards less technical, more soft skills. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. unfortunately, a lot of the traditional leadership development programs, they're still axed on that more technical kind of leadership skill development, as opposed to the soft skill development, mm. like coaching and, you know, courageous conversations and those kinds of things. Right, right. That totally makes sense. Yeah. Cool. So in in being an entrepreneur, like obviously things have have gone really well and business has exploded for you. But I'm sure there's still been some things along the way that were <clears throat> a challenge. So I'd love to, if you don't mind, share like one or two of those things that have been a challenge for you. And like, then what was the, the lesson that you took away from that? Okay, cool. Um, I guess the one thing that never really came naturally, I've never been a big sales person. I don't like to, you know, my theory is, you know, just get me, get me to bring me in and I'll do what I can do. And you'll see that you'll love me. Like, so that, that whole kind of business development piece never came really naturally to me. Um, and just because I've never had to really do a lot of it, it's happened. The business has grown so organically and I've had so much opportunity, just kind of word of mouth based on, you know, Oh my God, you need to call Lori. You should see what she did for us, you know, bring her in. You'll see, you won't regret it. And then that's just kind of snowballed that mm -hmm. way. But as I'm trying to scale up the business, I start to recognize that, okay, if I want to grow the team of mini lorries that can do what I do, then I need to shift into this kind of oversight role and really focus on that business development piece. So how I actually, how I, I, I gave myself the tools, I guess, to, to deal with that is I took a, a training and it's, it was a program I took that basically kind of provided a bit of insight in terms of, you know, how to do it without being sales pitchy, how to grow your network, because it's crazy how networking and that, that, the network itself that you connect yourself with, your tribe, if you will, uh, is really going to support you, especially as a solo entrepreneur. I think you're in someone who's worked for 21 years with colleagues, surrounded by colleagues. Suddenly I go and I, I was all solo by myself, just me and my clients. Um, you always feel like an outsider coming in to help your clients, but you, you kind of miss that whole tribe feeling, right? So mm -hmm. um, that program provided me my first tribe, if you will, that we're still connected today. And, you know, we meet weekly. And then from that program, I, I took other programs that again, afforded me other groups that I can, I can kind of bounce ideas off of, but also 
in terms of connections, like they're able to connect me to their network. And then that just kind of grows, you know, that way, mushrooms that way. And you continue to, to have these networking meetings and have these conversations, but not and it was so great when I was able to not look at it as a sales thing. It's more about growing my network. And if opportunities arise from it, that's perfect. But I actually love hearing about, you know, different organizational uh, pain points. So for me to have a conversation with an organization, uh, I usually step into the conversation uh, in terms of let's figure out your pain points. Let's tell me, you know, tell me what's keeping you up at 4am. And let's see if I'm able to bring you value and insight on the spot, obviously at no charge just because for, for the sheer satisfaction of being able to kind of give them little little kind of quick fixes or solutions as an interim measure. And then it's usually up to them to, you know, to follow up, but they always follow up. I find they, they'll, they'll constantly follow up to say, hey, you know, you were saying this, I'm wondering, you know, if we were to deep dive in this, what would, what might that look like? Right. And mm-hmm. then go from there and have those conversations. So for me, that, that was really helpful to shift my perspective as I'm not selling I'm not trying to sell you. I just want to understand, you know, what some of the things that are keeping you up at night. And if not to get business with that company, but it's always a value because it'll also inform any of the different, you know, products or services that I'm developing and the methodologies that I'm, I'm developing. It's all kind of research part and parcel to the development of future kind of IP or content. Right. Mm-hmm. So for me to shift that lens. So that was one thing. The other thing was numbers. I don't like them generally. I'm not a fan of them. I've always like, ugh, do I really have to take care of all that kind of bookkeeping stuff? And and I realized quickly that, you know what, for value and time, uh, it makes no sense that I spend all that time trying to figure it out as much as I like to just do everything myself. Um no, I like when I figured out the price of outsourcing that stuff, it was beautiful. It was game changing. I'm like, wow, I've just saved like a day a month where I spent trying to figure out all these things. And now I can invest that day into research and discovery meetings and, you know, just that business development piece. So certainly understanding where your strengths are and leveraging those strengths uh, and, and sort outsourcing what you you're not able to. And there's, you know, so much available out there to support entrepreneurs in terms of, you know, if you're willing to invest and you start to kind of monetize the cost, what you're billing hourly to clients and the cost of you spending a day, doing that as opposed to actually paying someone, you know, to do it for you. And it probably takes them an hour. It's probably worth the money. Right. So to understand the value in that was, was, was quite game changing as well. Nice. I love that. Yeah. The, one of the common themes that have come out of this season and talking to people is like delegation comes up all the time. And I think to your point too, it's not only about like the, the value and the ROI, is that because like you can spend time doing discovery calls or whatever you call them. Um, mm-hmm. That's a way higher use value use for your time to like build new business versus like doing the, the numbers. But yeah. also I think there's this other level of like, is this life giving for me or is this super life draining for me? And, oh. and I think that layer of like anything that's in the super life draining category is also great to <laughs> delegate. Delegate. It's so funny. Cause that's actually where I'm at right now. This past, like, I would say the past three months, that's really funny that you, I like the way you, you, you kind of frame that, you know, life draining or life giving, because for me, it was the realization just because I can, doesn't mean I should do mm-hmm. right. Uh, and, and, and a lot of things don't fill my cup and a lot of things I do like, because 
when you think about HR strategists and talent development folks like me, uh, we generally fall into two kind of categories, right? Like the the operational, more transactional, payroll, compensation, that kind of stuff, and then the strategy piece. And the, for me, the strategy piece is what fills my cup, right? That that whole help me. Uh, you know, let, let let me help you kind of make a plan and really be proactive and and really tap your team's full potential. Like I can show you, you think they're they're at their full potential, they're only at a fraction, right? Let me show you how to get them to that full potential. That's what fills my cup. But when I was starting out, I had to take a lot of the transactional stuff, that operational stuff. So those clients. Uh, are still calling and still wanting to to some support. And I don't want to leave them hanging. So I think sometimes it's a bit of a balancing act, right? I don't want to leave them hanging, but that's where I'm starting to grow my network of associates, right? Again, that whole network thing. There's people I've met through that kind of broadening of a network that I realize I'm kind of pegging them like, okay, I can send that kind of project. I can totally subcontract that to that person, right? Like that's mm-hmm. totally something that we can work collaboratively on or that I bring you in as a sub and you can kind of execute on. So just to start to understand that that scalability and understand just because you can doesn't mean you should. And then actually actually committing to doing that consistently is a bit of a challenge. I uh, As recently as yesterday, I had a phone call that <laughs> I, I shouldn't have done, but I did. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, it's, it's all a learning process, right? And there's like a, a trajectory. There's like when you're when you're at the beginning, you do have to do all the things pretty much. Like it's just part of the, it kind of the entry fee. But then the yeah. further you get down the road, the more you get to craft it into what you really want it to be. Absolutely, absolutely. And it's, it's certainly a, it's a great, you know, for me to be at that point now where I can craft, I, you know, it, it's, I'm super grateful. But I, I still feel like there's that need to do even for those, those first ones, those first clients, I think, in the beginning, absolutely, you do a bit of everything, but you're also developing without knowing a bit of a loyalty for those like clients, right? I'm like, oh my God, if ever they call me, I absolutely have to take them because, you know, they were there for me in the beginning. Right. <laughs> yeah. 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 Cool. Well, so let's talk a little bit more about networking because um, I think this is this is a really valuable thing for a lot of people, but it can be done well and it can be done with like zero results. So like, what have you found in your and how you network and how you interact with people to that, that actually makes it work for you and create success? Um, one of the things that I found really helpful, number one is to, um, cause initially I went through like the chamber of commerce and, and just your traditional BNIs and stuff. I didn't really see as much value from that because, but I find that when you're taking a training program, whatever the professional development, you know, program is, um, you're kind of everybody in that group tends to be in that same mindset. They, they, they're, they're looking for the same thing. So I feel like if you're, if you're getting involved in some, some training or some workshops or some forums where everybody's there of their own volition, even more so if they've paid to be there, I find that there's that level of commitment that's kind of heightened and mm-hmm. they tend to commit to, you know, really kind of connecting with others within that sphere. So I find that that little difference between, you know, these volunteer type events versus, you know, the paid events will make a huge difference. Mm-hmm. Uh, working with like-minded people, people who are at the same, you know, level as you business-wise and trying to figure out, you know, just thinking like who, which kind of associations or organizations or events would actually be hosting something that would attract people who are about at my level or even higher, right? Because you kind of want to get learn from their 
their uh, lessons learned. So, so trying to really hone in on that and then growing your network that way. I think it's really important to pick and choose. I think that you're going to get like a plethora of invites. I get, I've been invited to all kinds of groups and even I've taken some trainings where, um, you know, the groups continue to, the, the cohorts continue to meet as a mean of like as networking, but I haven't had any value from it. Like mm-hmm. our, our mindset are, is quite different and where I'm wanting to go with my business versus where they want to go with their business uh, is, is quite different as well. So for that, just kind of severing ties to some extent, you know, politely and respectfully, of course, but yeah. then really focusing your energy on those groups that really fill your cup and those groups that have actually been fruitful in terms of, you know, facilitating introductions to people they know and, and kind of doing those and vice versa, that it's kind of a reciprocal uh, connection in your networks and to, to recognize when it is reciprocal and when it's not and be okay with kind of, you know, not yeah. proceeding. Yeah. That's, that's yeah. You know, the hard one, but yeah. Yeah. When to say yes and when to say no to certain groups. That's great advice. I love that. Cause I think it is easy to get sucked into like, well, just try them all. And like, then you yeah. spend all this time like talking to people who, and it's not resulting in anything. And that, that doesn't feel good. A hundred percent. So like perfect, very concrete example. When I took my coaching course, my professional coaching course, I connected with a bunch of coaches, amazing, amazing, incredible people, but their kind of goal was really just to grow a very small scale coaching business. Whereas I was taking that coaching program and in the particular program I took, I was pretty much one of the only one who wanted to add it as a service of an existing kind of repertoire of services. Right. Mm-hmm. And it was really a complimentary service for a lot of the stuff I was doing from a leadership development perspective to be able to then offer that one-on-one coaching to hone those skills. So it just made sense. But Every time we'd meet, they were, we were talking about like a lot of them were actually already working for organizations and they were just being certified as coaches internally. So like, I didn't feel like we were on the same page. They weren't living the entrepreneur, you know, kind of track and trying to figure out how to grow and how to, that wasn't at all where they were. So although they were amazing people, I I mean, I had to think about my time and be cognizant of my week and how much time I've got in that week to strike Mm -hmm. that balance. I had to, unfortunately, I've kind of not been meeting with them quite as much, but yeah. Yeah. Picking and choosing. Yeah, for sure. Okay, so um, let's talk about like work and and personal life and and the balance of that. So give us a little bit of insight, just like you know, kids, pets, like partner. What does that look like? And and how do you? What have you found in in an effort to like have a, a high quality life as well as a high quality business? Okay, so. Um... I'm a bit, well, not a bit, I'm definitely an A-type personality. So I've always been someone who, even when I was working for government, which a lot of people, I call them my golden hang, uh, my golden handcuffs, right? Because like great pension, great benefits. I had like eight weeks holidays. I, like people were, you're crazy when they talked, when I talked about leaving there, right? And I had my evenings, I would disconnect in my evenings. But the thing was, my evenings were filled with, first, I was conti- fin- finishing my postgraduate studies, all the while having two children at the time under five years old, finishing my postgrad. And I also was a travel agent on the side, and I still am. Uh, and, and I was selling <laughs> like whatever cosmetics were. And stuff. Anyway, I was, I've always had like two, three jobs. So for me, that that balance was never there when I was working that cushy, you know, government job. Yeah. Uh, and one of the reasons I wanted to do this business is that I wanted to be able to do all those other things I was doing in the evening during the day mm-hmm. so that I could actually really check out and be present with my family in the evenings uh, and in the weekends. So I'm really glad that I did it uh, the way I did it. And one of the reasons I decided to stop the full-time job is because I was, I had no more life. I was, we were on vacation. We were on a ski vacation uh, with family and I'm on the, you know, on the tow rope going up 
tow rope, sorry, that the <laughs> local chairlift yeah. have a yeah. tow rope. Oh. <laughs> um, but <laughs> that's how big our hill is. Um, but nice. anyways, in um, we were on the actual chairlift and I'm having to take a call from a client and, you know, kind of troubleshoot with them on the fly. And I'm like, oh my God, I can't believe I'm doing this. And my family's here with me. Like, as if I'm doing that, I need to, I need to find a new a new plan. And so, yeah, that's how I struck the balance. Now my kids are older too, which is the other kind of motivator between taking the leap. Uh, my son's in universities in his first year of university. Uh, my daughter's 14. Uh, my husband works four days a week. He doesn't work Fridays. So we kind of, have, I have the luxury of him supporting, you know, me and, and what I'm doing. And if I have to travel for work, then he's home and he can kind of take charge and take on parenting. But certainly, honestly, I often won't start working in the morning. I do my workouts in the morning. That's my me time. And I don't actually start working till like probably 9, 9.30, which was, you know, not the case before. I spent my days in a lot of meetings that I didn't feel were needed. <laughs> like they weren't valuable. Yeah. I didn't need them. And I felt it was just draining my time uh, when I was working for someone else. Now I spend my days in like the time that I am working is super valuable and it's super productive and, you know, crazy crazy great. And I don't mind working into the evening. So my kids are older, they want nothing to do with me most of the time. Right. So, <laughs> so like tonight I I'm giving a workshop till eight, but my kids will probably just kind of be winding down. My, my daughter will be winding down at eight and she'll finally want to spend time with me. So that works out well. So yeah, nice. I think for me, it was a means to an end. The business was to enable me more time uh, with yeah. my family and more time for it to strike that balance too, to be able to not be working at, you know, taking all my time off just to work, actually taking time off. That's the first time I've ever heard that it went that way. Like I became an entrepreneur to get more time back and yeah. did it. <laughs> it's usually yeah. like, oh, an entrepreneur takes so much time. That's really cool. I love that. Yeah. Um, man. Okay. So what makes you feel fully alive? For me, this, having conversations, being able to, you know, chat with other people and inspire each other and share best practices and kind of preempt challenges by saying, Hey, you know, this might be where you're heading, but here's when I, when I ended up there, this is what happened. And here's how you can avoid that from happening is, is super like that fills my cup. Um, I'm an everything disc, uh, licensed partner as well. I got to tell you like that, everything having to do with that personality assessment fills my cup to no avail mm. because I love to bring those aha moments, you know, that self-awareness and, and it actually it's mirrored in what I do as well. That self-awareness from an organizational perspective, when I do that end to end employee experience map out and they realize, Oh my God, like we're missing all these kind of key drivers. We just need to work that in. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, and helping organizations see their blind spots. Well, everything disc is a way of kind of helping individuals see their blind spots and then really understand that, wow, the reason I'm getting all those questions from that one individual isn't actually because they like really, you know, they don't understand anything I'm talking. I'm not talking to, you know, I'm not speaking a foreign language. It's actually because I've not presented my information logically because my style is, you know, I come in crooked and winging it and here, here let's go. This is the information. Yeah. And, and here's my end game. Whereas this person, you know, they're more reserved and they like information to be presented logically and, you know, with a lot of evidence to support whatever I'm saying, huh, for me to realize that and then to be able to kind of adapt and adjust my conversation the next time and see that, that like win. And they're like, oh yeah, absolutely. Now I understand. I'm like, wow, all my career, I've never heard you say, I understand. Right. So mm -hmm. to help bring those moments of awareness to teams and to workplaces is for me, that fills my cup. Mm, so good.
Awesome. Okay. Well, thank you so much for your time today. I really appreciate it. I, I love getting to hear your story and like just everything that you're creating. Um, where can people find out more information about you? Uh, I am on LinkedIn. Uh, I tend to to kind of focus most of my social media content on LinkedIn and my shares, uh, as well as I have a website, thepeopleperson.ca, the name being the business name of the people person, right? I help people with become more people person oriented. Um, and then uh, I do have a blog on there as well and a Thrive Hive for, you know, leaders or anyone looking for further tips and tricks, they can sign up and um, we send them on the regular just in terms of how to continue to kind of maintain and, and nurture your workplace culture to attract the talent you need. Okay, awesome. And one last thing, what is one nugget of wisdom that you'd love to share for entrepreneurs? Just do it. Just do it. I got to say it because I swear uh, for the longest time, I knew I've always known I wasn't going to retire from government. I've always known I wanted to start my own business and do my own thing. And I remember at one point I took a leadership development program within government and I had one-on-one -on -one coaching with a professional coach. And I was like, oh, I got to tell you something. I actually don't want to talk about my ascension through government. And they're like, she's like, that's okay. Like they're paying me to, it's your hour. You do what you want with it. I'm like, okay, I want out. So <laughs> I want to start yeah. my own business. And she's like, oh, that's awesome. Like, what are you thinking? So I told her what I was thinking and stuff. She's like, so what are you waiting for? I was like, well, I'm working on an assessment tool right now. And I'm trying to get everything. I'm doing a bit of research to figure out. She's like, no. How do you know your assessment tool is actually going to assess what the needs are? How are you going to know that whatever you put together is actually going to satisfy the real need of that next client of yours? You can't wait for all your ducks to be in a row. You just got to take a leap and take those first few projects as a means of actually starting to navigate and understand the actual, you know, pain points that you're trying to solve, the problem that you're going to be able to solve and take it as a learning experience. So just take one project on and then another and just do it. Stop waiting till everything is absolutely perfect to take the leap. So just do it. That's my, for an entrepreneur, that's my nugget of wisdom. Awesome. I love it. Thank you so much. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to Sacrifice to Success podcast. If you or someone you know would like to be a guest on the show, please check out the link in the show notes and you can find all of the details there. If you got something out of this interview, would you please take a moment to share on social media? You can just do a quick screenshot with your phone and text it to somebody or post it on the socials. Let's see if we can change the narrative of social media and post valuable, positive content. We are regularly putting out new episodes and content, so to make sure you don't miss any episodes, please go ahead and subscribe. Your thumbs up ratings and reviews go a long way to help promote the show, and they mean a lot to me. If you'd like to know more, go to my website, davidweavercoach.com, or you can follow me on LinkedIn or Facebook. Those links are also in the show notes. And I do also have a free training on my website as well. So thank you so much for listening, and we will see you next time.